Gentlemen, Ferengi chickens and things to episode 15 of the Muppet Trick podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? That's the Muppets and Star Trek. We have been doing one to one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show with special guest Avery Schreiber and the Star Trek original series episode, Shore Leave. Yeah, so uh, we need to hear about this person, Avery Schreiber, Steve. Who is this guy? Oh, man, I got some stuff on this guy. (laughs) Uh, Avery Schreiber was a comedic actor uh, of the stage and screen with dozens of television and film credits. He was a longtime writing partner of Jack Burns, who was the head writer for not only the Muppet movie, but also this season of The Muppet Show. So they they were comedy partners before this. Uh, But what do you know him from? He did some bit roles in Mel Brooks films including uh, Dracula dead and loving it and Robin hood men in tights. But otherwise most folks in our generation would not have a reason to really know who he is. I thought I recognized him. It must've been the Mel Brooks stuff. Yeah. He's the tax collector who informs Robin that his like, that his house is being towed. Yes. <laughs> That's him. That's Avery Schreiber. That. That's fantastic. Uh, but let's get into his episode of the Muppet show. Cause it is a doozy. You open up on Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem singing tenderly a love song about a tender breeze and love in the air, but it takes a really sharp rock and roll turn. And honestly, I think it's one of the best uses of the Electric Mayhem so far. Mm -hmm. Quick shot backstage shows us Piggy making plans to make Kermit jealous. She tells Scooter to tell Kermit that the guest is head over heels for uh, threatening Scooter with physical violence if he doesn't make Kermit jealous for her. Uh, Next, we have Gladiator Sketch. A ridiculous Avery Shriver plays a Roman-style gladiator fighting a monster. Uh, It finishes with a joke battle where Avery jokes the monster to death. He insults him to death. Yeah, it's weird. Sir Avery of Macho. Sir Avery of Macho. (laughs) Uh, Following This is Muppet Labs, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew makes a gorilla detector, uh, but he doesn't realize the device is not working as a gorilla is sneaking up behind him and destroying his lab. Backstage again, Kermit needs Avery on stage, but Scooter says he can't go in his dressing room because Piggy's in there and Avery did not want to be disturbed. Wah, wah. Hmm. Uh, afterwards, we have Avery Schreiber as a uh, security guard in a museum. A painting of Fozzie is coming alive and stealing things from him as he thinks he's kind of going insane until at the end, hopping into the painting himself and stealing food from others. Uh, we then find ourselves at the dance where the best joke this week is that Ralph has a bit part in a movie and it's because he bit someone. <laughs> but um, cha. Uh, and then Ralph gets a lovely little number with a few dogs and cats. Uh, may you all uh, may you always uh, serenading a photo of Lassie. And it's basically a love song about like wishing the best for the one that got away. I wonder if that was Lassie. <laughs> it was. It must be. Uh, next we get the talk spot. Um, 
and Avery and Kermit interrupted by like a doting Miss Piggy who's really trying to play it up until at the end Kermit really gets jealous and yells that he's going to take Piggy to dinner. Uh, we then receive our weekly dose of Wayne and Wanda singing some enchanted evening uh, and then for a short time and then Wayne is eaten by a monster that appears on stage. We next have German's favorite veterinarian hospital where Dr. Bob needs to treat a chicken. This turns into a bunch of bird jokes and puns. The best line here is the final punchline of I'm a chicken. The sketch is a turkey <laughs> rim shot <laughs> uh, backstage. One last time, Piggy coming off stage dotes over Kermit, seeing that he was jealous. Kermit explains he wasn't jealous. He was in on the joke because Scooter tells him and Piggy physically assaults a coworker again, again. Up uh, next is Fozzie's weekly gag where he goes out to tell a banana joke that doesn't go right as he's heckled. And then Avery comes out to defend him telling the same banana joke and getting a huge, huge laugh. Uh, following this, the Muppet News Flash, where there is no news that night. Uh, then we get the closing number. Avery sings a weird scat ridden kind of song with a <laughs> random assortment of Kuzbanian alien puppets. And if Jack Black doesn't play this guy in a biopic at some point, then something has gone wrong. That's if Avery's worth uh, doing a biopic over. Um. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was so the little like head Bobby stuff was so Jack Black. That's true. Was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, finally, we have the, the closing of the show. Kermit thanks Avery who comes out and apologizes to Kermit about getting in trouble with Miss Piggy. Kermit asserts that he's in charge until Piggy comes out and once again, physically assaults her boss and a coworker. <laughs> And that has been this week's episode of The Muppet Show. Absolutely. I just want to paint it in a serious light about what actually happens here. No, you were straightforward. It was, it was, it was yeah. fair. <laughs> <laughs> so what about the songs this episode, oh, Steve? Oh, man, some good music this episode, maybe. Uh, <laughs> tenderly, covered by a lot of big names, including, including Nat King Cole and Louis Armstrong and Rosemary Clooney. Hmm. It was written by a named Walter Gross and Jack Lawrence. Lawrence was a co-producer on Lena Horne's one-woman show, The Lady and Her Music, Lena Horne, another Muppet show host from earlier this season. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh, May You Always, made famous by the Maguire Sisters. Uh, this song hit number 11 on the U.S. charts way back. The Maguire Sisters have a bunch of hits, but the only one you're going to know is their famous cover of the song, Sincerely. Sincerely. Like, nope. Nothing? Nope, nothing. All right. <laughs> Check it out. You know it from some commercial sometime. Gotcha. Uh, and then some enchanted evening famously from Roger and Hammerstein show South Pacific. Uh, these are the same guys behind Oklahoma and carousel and the King and I, uh, but a fun Hammerstein fact, his family had a background in theater and his father actually managed a huge theater, but he said, you can't go into theater. You got to go to law school. He went to law school for like four years. His dad died and he just dropped out and immediately went to the theater. Good thing he did too. Cause I love some enchanted evening in Oklahoma. That's right. And all that jazz. If he had, if he had obeyed his father, he would be a lawyer and nobody would know his name. That's right. That's right. Uh, but Jarman, what did you think of this week's episode of the Muppet show with this host? I thought it was mostly harmless. Um, from what I remember <laughs> seeing of, of Avery Schreiber in, in the Mel Brooks films, I remember him being very goofy and very much like, uh, who's the other actor who looks very similar to him? Who's in a lot of Mel Brooks movies who does Dom DeLuise, Dom DeLuise. Yeah. Like he's like a mix between Dom DeLuise and that film critic with the giant hair and mustache. <laughs> I can't remember his name either. Gene Shalit. Yes. Gene Shalit. Yes. He's a mix between Dom DeLuise and Gene Shalit. Um, but yeah, it just, um, it was kooky and fun at some points. Um, 
uh, the electric mayhem number was good. It was kind of like I kind of got in on the joke pretty quickly that it was supposed to be a tender song and they were playing it like a hard rock piece, you know, or at least yeah, the f- lyrics were very apparent for that. Right. Exactly. Um, I, uh, I really, I like the, the, the kind of miming of the Fozzie and the painting, uh, sketch with Avery. Cute. Yeah, it was cute. And like, and then he goes back into the painting and then they both trick Ralph, uh, Ralph at that point, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And steal from the other. That was, you're right. And that was a good, like clean rules of th- rule of three sketch. Yeah. All the beads. And then, uh, in the dance sequence, actually like the funniest joke I liked was, um, uh, someone asked the dance partner of an animal, uh, if she's into meditation and she goes, no sedation. <laughs> like, so basically you have to be drugged out to want to dance with the animal. And then she does the the dipping thing where she throws him on the floor again. She does. So I like that. That plays out really long too. It does. <laughs> um, and I, first in the talk spot with uh, Kermit and um, I keep saying Avery, but what's his last name again? Uh, Schreiber. Uh, Schreiber. So, it was a little weird at first because he it's it comes the shot comes up and he's just petting Kermit and it's just kind of odd because like I know he's a Muppet but it's like he's like an adult you know <laughs> like it's just right you're, you're like petting an adult being like a like a little child and it just felt kind of odd uh, so, so maybe he didn't get it yeah maybe it wasn't right there with like understanding the Muppet interaction thing but also I'm on board with that this is this a, this is a canon question for you Steve um, oh, yeah. so Miss Piggy says her real name is Pigatheus or Pigathus. Uh, is that her real name or is that she just making? I don't this think up? it ever comes up again, but yes, I am pretty sure that that is in Muppet lore. So that's canon. I believe so. Wow. That's important, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, I love the Some Enchanted Evening. So, and it was kind of terrifying watching, uh, you know, Wayne, oh, big monster. Yeah. Wayne get just eaten. Uh, so that's kind of frightening. But yeah, so there's just a lot of kind of fun, kooky, weird moments in this episode that made me entertained. Uh, it was it was not boring to me. It was there's no like slow moments. Uh, I think I do think he was underutilized. Avery Schreiber. I feel like from what oh, I yeah. saw in Mel Brooks movies, he's pretty darn funny and goofy and he could have done a lot. Um, that seems to be a trend with these episodes. They underutilize their hosts. I don't know why that is because they have they obviously have time and a budget and good writing and um, but it, maybe the hosts aren't available for a very long time. I'm not sure the behind the scenes of that, of why that doesn't happen. But. Well, and the, the hosts get treated very differently from season two on, mm. um, when the writing tra- changed over. Um, so I, I think that it will get better. I think we're on the road to when it gets better, but we just got to get through this season. Yeah. Cause they're scoring good guests. It's just, they're not using them. Right. Just like the other guy from the Mel yeah. Brooks movies we saw earlier who was not utilized very well. Um, um what's his face? So this would you say this is not top five or bottom five for you? I would agree. Not top five or bottom five. Yeah, I could, I could agree with that. Uh, so, Jeremy, what about this week's The Next Generation? Not next, God damn it. The original <laughs> series. That would be much further down the line, Steve. <laughs> I'm so, already just time, time hopping. <laughs> so this uh, time we have episode 15, Shore Leave, which is pretty popular. Maybe infamous would be the right word amongst fans because it's very silly of an episode of the first season. Um and you'll find out why. So the, uh, the Enterprise encounters a planet that seems suitable for life and, in fact, quite pleasant. Uh, Kirk issues and orders that the off-duty personnel should take shore leave on the planet since they have been in constant duty for three months now and everyone's real tired and irritable. Uh, Bones wants Kirk to also take shore leave, but he refuses because he's got to be captain and be serious. But Spock tricks him into it by talking about a crew member who's overworked and is not uh, fulfilling his duties. And Kirk's like, oh, who's that? And he's like, it's you, Kirk. So he has to go down. Uh, but while on the planet, uh, Bones sees what looks like a giant rabbit being pursued by Alice from Alice in Wonderland. 
and he thinks he's going crazy or the life signs detectors that said no, there is no life signs in the planet must be faulty. Uh, later, Sulu finds an antique revolver that he always wanted, like a, a pistol. And Yeoman Barrows is accosted by Don Juan for some reason, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of disturbing. And how? Yeah, and rips her uniform for no reason. Oh, yeah. We know what he was after. Because <laughs> he's Don Juan. So something right. is amiss. Uh, Kirk doesn't believe any of this as he's hearing this aboard the Enterprise, but he beams down to investigate. Um, McCoy shows Kirk the large rabbit tracks. So it couldn't have been a hallucination because there's actual tracks in the in the mud. So now they know they must be on more than more than just hallucinations going on. Kirk is then accosted by an old bully from his academy days, an Irish stereotype named Finnegan, uh, who is jeering him and laughing at him and stuff. But then he also encounters his old academy girlfriend, Ruth, uh, one of the most attractive names out there for a woman. Ruth, also my grandmother's name. Love you wherever you are. All right. So Kirk orders the Enterprise not to send anyone else down until they find out what is going on. Uh, Spock, Spock tells him that some energy field from the planet is draining power from the Enterprise and that soon the transporters and communications will be down because of it. So Spock beams down before it becomes impossible not to. Uh, Bones is off cavorting with Yeoman Barrows, who he seems to be very fond of. And she is talking about how wonderful this place is and how it'd be better if she could dress like a medieval princess for some reason. And all of a sudden she sees those clothes in front of her. So she changes into a medieval princess garb and they walk out into the clearing and a black knight on a horse and a lance charges McCoy and pierces him. And McCoy dies. Uh, Kirk shoots the knight with Sulu's pistol. And they find out that the knight is more of a dummy than a human seems to be made from the same material as the surrounding plants on the planet. Just then uh, world war two planes fly overhead Uh, The bodies of the Black Knight and Bones disappear. And so Spock figures out these things are appearing because of people's thoughts. And at this point, Finnegan, the Irish stereotype, reappears and Kirk runs off with him to go beat him up. And after Kirk finally does beat him up after a long chase and beat up scene, where, of course, so long, so long, Kirk's uh, shirt gets ripped again, of course. Uh, Finally, when he beats him up, Spock catches up with him and realizes that Kirk is happy that he finally got to do that. And that this planet must be trying to create fantasies for all those that are on it. So Kirk collects everyone and tells them to try not to think of anything for a while. So nothing else appears. And then an old man appears and calls himself the caretaker. And he is accompanied by Bones, who's alive, and accompanied by two Playboy bunnies, apparently. (laughs) And this makes the yeoman very jealous, who he was just a few minutes ago hitting on. Uh, the old man explains the planet that part was all right. Yeah, it was all right. Uh, the old man uh, explains that the planet used to be an amusement park for his species, which is some highly intelligent race that the Enterprise crew just couldn't understand at this point because they're not they're lowly beings. Uh, he says it wasn't meant to be harmful, but any harm that actually is done wouldn't be permanent. Uh, the old man offers the place as an amusement park to Kirk's crew. So Kirk invites everyone down to enjoy it. And that's the pretty much end of shore leave. So a little bit of trivia on this episode. Uh, The episode was being written as it was shot. This was a kind of a mess of an episode when it was being filmed. Uh, Cast members recalled. Yeah. Cast members recall that Gene Roddenberry was sitting under a tree, frantically reworking the script to keep it both under budget and within the realms of believability. And as a result, it went over time with filming and budget. Um, It's the first time that Captain Kirk calls McCoy bones, which I didn't realize is the first episode that happens, which is kind of cool. Yeah. the same actor who plays the bunny later on plays the Gorn, which many people out there will know who that is. Uh, we'll see that episode later on down the line where Kirk fights the Gorn. 
both episodes also feature the famous Vasquez rocks, those uh, rocky settings. You oh, want- yeah. yeah. They were earlier in that episode with uh, what the hell is his name with the, the silver eyes. Uh, Captain Kirk fights. Oh, like- yeah. I know which one you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I should know this is a trick. They're but- all psychic and stuff. Yeah, exactly. That was an episode. Before. And you'll see us in countless other episodes. Look at these rocks. You'll recognize them. They're also in Star Trek Generations, the movie later on. Uh, very famous Star Trek backdrop. Uh, Big Bang Theory has an episode where they, all the characters go to the Vasquez rocks to see and they're in their Star Trek uniforms and everything. <laughs> uh, also, the script called for an elephant to appear in the episode. And the elephant elephant was hired by the production staff and brought to the set. But due to running overtime and other difficulties during shooting, the animal never made it to the cameras. Uh, So that would have happened. And also a tiger, as you saw in the episode, was brought onto the episode. And the tiger never directly interacts with any of the performers. But William Shatner originally wanted to wrestle it, but was convinced (laughs) it would not be a wise decision. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's William Shatner's ego right there. He wants to wrestle a tiger. I can take it. (laughs) So anyway, Steve, what do you think of this episode? So the things I liked this week, uh, the opening moment with the, the back rub from the (laughs) Yeoman and him thinking that it was Spock was a really clever, clean, well done moment. It was cute. Little joke that like established Kirk's uncomfortability with her doing it. Like it was good. It was a good, clean moment, but it would have been okay. Uh, if Spock was doing it, which is kind of fun. (laughs) Um, I liked the varied imagery that they, you know, all the different things they got to do wild animals and, and gladiators and uh, the samurai. And, um, (laughs) and, you know, I thought that was all very cool to see. And that's something you get to see in every star Trek episode. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Things I maybe had an issue with Sulu, just shooting a loaded pistol. He found on the ground. (laughs) The moment he has it in his hand. True. So this episode, you know, it's not a problem with the episode. It's like concern. Did no one ask the question like why? Uh, and then not all of the stuff like made sense to me in as far as what they were seeing. Right. Um, and like, you know, maybe maybe the idea is that the, the planet's powers were taking what they were thinking about too literally. Yeah. Like at one you point, know, the, she's the, a she's a fair maiden, and he wanted to be the 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 knight that saves her, and so then the knight appears. Like maybe that's what they're going for, but some of it didn't make sense. Yeah, like at one point, the the World War Two planes are flying over, and the the crewman Rodriguez, I think his name was, yeah. says, "You know, earlier when I was talking about World War Two planes, well, here they are." It's like, why were you talking about World War Two planes earlier? That made no sense. They cut that scene. And they never explained why Bones was seeing uh, the rabbit and Alice. Like, I mean, right. I guess he was thinking so was, about that, but why? Yeah, there were just some weird things that didn't quite make sense to me. Overall, a fun episode, but not. This is probably bottom five for me so far. All right. Can you remember what the other ones are in your bottom five so far? Um, the Charlie one is kind of down there. Oh, the teenager kid. That was really obnoxious. Yeah. Part two of the two parter is down there. Mostly there was just episode. too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I have to think about the others. No, that's this fair. Is definitely down there. We'll now. do a recap at the end of the season. That's Absolutely fair. we will. All right, that's uh, fair. I, I thought it was like a fun but silly but kind of uh, and that whole scene of them fighting was too long. Uh, try, probably trying to fill time, basically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's fair enough. Oh, Finnegan. Loved Finnegan. Oh, you did? Yeah, he was a lot of fun. <laughs> just taunting Kirk. Yeah, and jumping wildly and stuff. He did a good job for what he was supposed to be, which was 
like an amalgamation of Kirk's memory of this guy. I thought that was great. It is funny, though, that he's like supposed to be Academy aged and he's saying, you're so old, Kirk. And then he's the actor is only four years younger than William Shatner at the time. <laughs> so They didn't think about it. No, nah, they didn't think about it. Uh, well, German, I've got some precarious Trek connections for this week's episodes. <laughs> I'm excited. OK, this this is it. This is not good. Uh <laughs> Avery Shriver was in a few Mel Brooks films and Mel Brooks did a cameo in the Muppet movie, which itself was very Mel Brooksian. <laughs> That's that was Mel Brooks was the connection I could find connection to, to Star Trek. Well, no, just trying to connect Avery Shriver to anything. <laughs> I got nothing. Dude. Anything period. Dude, anything period. This was real bad. This is <laughs> a really, really bad. Hey, you week. can admit defeat some weeks. All right. You can just say, I, I don't, this- I don't got it. <laughs> Uh, okay, this is the closest thing I have to a real one. All right. Both Shatner and Schreiber, Schreiber were spokesmen for products. Schreiber was the spokesman for Doritos in the 70s, and Shatner was the spokesman for Priceline for 14 years. <laughs> well done. Connection. <laughs> Connect for. Let's talk about some similarities. Maybe it'll be better. All right. So you said you have four, but not four. So why don't you go first? Yeah. So a man, there's two situations, man face beast, Mm -hmm. uh, the crew with the tiger and Sir Avery and Sweetums. Right. And then uh, there's also both have uh, attacked by wild animals, the tiger in uh, the original series and the gorilla from Muppet Labs. Oh, that makes sense. So both of them are like man birth beast sort of. So I have a, Bone makes the bones makes the crew member jealous by manifesting those two showgirls, just like Miss Piggy tries to make oh. Kermit jealous by having Avery Schreiber pretend to like her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I'm with you. I pick up what you're putting down. <laughs> uh, the gorilla detector is defective equipment, which is what Kirk blames uh, the failed scans on when they find life on the planet. And that was my second one that they couldn't detect oh. life signs on the planet, but they <laughs> honeydew couldn't detect gorillas. Bam. Uh, and then my last one's really tenuous the museum guard thinks he's going crazy as he sees things that can't be real just like kirk and the crew that's pretty good i like that one all right i'll take it they're the exact same episode yeah i mean (laughs) i and then the the jesus parable in there that is just just ties both together so beautifully i can't see any difference these were the same script (laughs) this is basically the new testament (laughs) we can find so many connections um oh no but what's that noise i don't know what you're talking about oh that noise oh my god transporter malfunction all right, this is the part of the show where we transport one actor or character from one episode to the other episode. And which one you got for us first, Steve? So I've got from the Muppets to the original series, I've got Avery Schreiber as the gladiator uh, coming over and taking the place of the samurai. <laughs> and he would just pop and go, oh, ah, he, ah, <laughs> you can take that. Oh, and this, oh, and maybe a little of that. Ah. I like it. Uh, I have Avery Schreiber switching places with the old man who explains things at the end. Um, (laughs) He'll just be like, he could do it in a much more funny manner, explaining how the planet belongs to him and all that jazz and hitting his head a bunch of times like a a stooge from the Three Stooges. It'd be great. Uh, Then I'd say the tiger switching places with the gorilla. (laughs) But it just ends with Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and just being maimed to death by a tiger. It's more of an adult show at that point. Yeah. Well, they couldn't show it early. Certainly. 
<laughs> after after eight, I think we'd be fine, though. That's true. Uh, I have Finnegan switching places with Sweetums in the Gladiator segment on the Muppets show. <laughs> so when I go to the insult segment, Finnegan's would be great at that. He'd be great at the insults because look, at, he's, he's great. <laughs> oh, come on. Give it to me right now. Punch <laughs> me in the kisser. <laughs> oh, he's calmed down. Oh, that's a, quite, a, quite an insult there. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the end of episode 15 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for episode 16 of The Muppet Show with special guest Twiggy. And original series episode, The Galileo 7. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.